Welcome to This Week with Cal CISO, produced by the California Cybersecurity Information Sharing Organization. Now, for this week's episode, we turn to Matt Gardner in our Northern California studios. Welcome to our new series, This Week with Cal CISO. Once again, it's Matt Gardner here from the California Technology Council. We're very excited to kick off this new series today with a conversation with Megan Branch of CertNexus regarding their AI certification program offered with partner Coursera. We'll get into that in just a minute. In the weeks ahead, you're going to hear from us in greater detail about all that CalCISO has to offer and the things that stakeholders in our community are concerned about and are working on. We invite you to dive into more on the California Threat Exchange, cyber jobs opportunities, and more at www.californiatechnology.org slash CalCISO. The California Cybersecurity Information Sharing Organization is 11 years strong now, and we love to share information and news from our members. So if you'd like to get involved, email us at cyber at californiatechnology.org. There's a tremendous amount of training and professional development opportunity on our calendar now. So if you're interested in getting that next skill or upgrading to that next certification, we invite you to take a look and explore all the options for the entirety of 2021 at www.californiatechnology.org slash events. We have certifications available in everything from certified CalCISO to network defense to SOC analysts to penetration testing to ethical hacking. Uh, We invite you to take a look and hope that you'll engage with us uh, through your next certification. Of course, the calendar has other events in it as well, so we invite you to take a look. Again, that's californiatechnology.org slash events, and I know you'll find that the calendar through the rest of the year has tremendous opportunities for growth and development, as well as best practice and learning. Don't forget that a great deal of what we offer can be found in our member benefits. You'll find a lot at californiatechnology.org slash member benefits, including our featured benefit right now with Reprivita to secure your remote workers. Are you creating more flexible conditions for your employees to stay mobile? Well, this member benefit is built for you. Are you an incubator or uh, in an academic setting where your workers are normally out and about? Yes, securing your remote workers is an increased focus as people look for new solutions for getting back to work. And this member benefit is built just for you. You can learn more at www.californiatechnology.org slash member benefits. And again, that's the Reprivita Securing Your Remote Workers benefit. You can also find it right now on our front page at californiatechnology.org. Now on This Week with Cal CISO, we're excited to kick off this series with a conversation with Megan Branch of CertNexus, one of our education partners and a valued contributor to everything that we're doing in our talent initiative in Cal CISO and more. As you're about to hear, Megan shares with us a new Emerging Technologies certification that's part of the CertNexus AI portfolio. Now, here's our conversation with Megan Branch. Okay, welcome to the show today. We're really pleased to have with us Megan Branch from CertNexus. Megan, thanks for being here today. I am glad to be here, Matt. 
Megan, you've got a, a new program, a new offering that you call the Certified Ethical Emerging Technologist. Can you share with our listeners what that's all about? Absolutely. So we, we, we focus on emerging technologies in our certification development, which is just we want to validate skills and knowledge that people have in these areas of technology. And specifically, this is for our um, artificial intelligence portfolio. And what happened was um, we were developing our artificial intelligence um, practitioner, and we thought, what are some of the security risks around AI? And as your listeners probably know, there's a ton of different avenues that you could go. But what kept coming up in a lot of our conversations is, you know, nobody's validating or there's no formal vendor-neutral, industry-certified um, program around um, ethics in AI and ethics in data-driven technology. And so we dug into it a little bit further, and we found this amazing community and this incredible need from a lot of AI ethicists, from organizations, from corporations, and they basically said, we need something that builds up um, ethical leaders in data-driven technology organizations. So our goal with this is to not create AI ethicists, right? But what we want to do is create a culture of leaders that are paying attention to um, ethics and ethical risks in um, their technologies and in their organization as a whole. So we're really trying to create a culture of ethical technologists, and that's our goal with this. And we are so excited to be um, partnering with Coursera to, as the platform that's delivering this course um, and prepares people for the certification that um, will validate them and allow them to have a um, industry-recognized certification that they can carry with them. And in addition, there's some pretty cool stuff in the course that people can do um, that are tangible things that they can take to their organization, to future employers, to demonstrate that they are um, striving to be an ethical leader. Well, that's a lot to go on here. So let's come back to our <laughs> partnership in a minute. But, but beginning with, there's, there's sort of a stack of technologies that comes into play with um, data science and this sort of cascading series of innovations that have you know, moved us through machine learning and artificial intelligence. And you're dealing with all those things. So can you talk about uh, the, the sort of the approach that you've taken to put uh, data science into the context of how companies are being asked or expected to use algorithms to you know, support decision making? Is, is that all a part of uh, your approach? Yeah. So um, it is part of our approach, and we're actually addressing that requirement or that demand um, from stakeholders to you know corporations. We know that right now the the biggest um, scale within economy is data, right? So data is king. Data is what is bringing in revenue. You know, the top, seven of the ten top corporations right now are data-driven um, organizations. And so data is key for organizations that want to grow their revenue and expand their opportunities, and even in some cases, their product lines. So what we do is we look at 
um, we talk about data-driven technologies, but to peel that apart, we're really addressing the idea is if you are utilizing data within your organization and you are um, trying to gain value out of that data in any way, shape, or form, you are going to have risk in terms of how you examine that data, how you collect the data, um, how you manipulate the data, or how you automate the data, and then create, um, you know, uh, use that to create value utilizing algorithms in machine learning, in artificial intelligence, in robotics. Um, you know, these are all areas that a lot of our subject matter expertise um, who are instructors and contributed to the certification, these are areas that they specialize in. Um, and so what they and what we are seeing is that this drive to pull value from the data in a time when you have to do it quickly and you have to um, create new products and differentiate yourself and your organization, you know, machine learning and creating these algorithms to make these predictions and build these models um, and offer more value to your customers is, you know, such a driving factor for um, stakeholders to, um, you know, increase their value and expand their revenue. Uh, and so we try to address that in many ways. Um, and one of the things that we talk about significantly is how do you balance the two? How do you um, still have an organization that can be profitable with data and continually expand and innovate utilizing these technologies, but still apply ethical principles within your organization and to your technology um, so that you can maintain that consumer trust and the stakeholder trust, whether it's internal or external, and how do you manage that? So I know I expanded a little bit more on your question, but I hope I answered it. You absolutely did, Megan. So, so this is um, one of, uh, I'm sure, a thousand different stakeholders that you have taken into account with the way uh, managers have to deal with these things. But can we talk about this sort of the consumer risk that's, of course, bumping up into new privacy laws in Europe and all over the states, and uh, you know how how does that come into play when when you talk about ethical risk? Obviously, companies have got to consider how they're handling consumer data and what they're going to use it for. Yeah, and I think that privacy really brought a lot of this to light because privacy is um, well, it's an important um, consideration when we talk about. Um, ethics and applying ethical principles, it's just one of many. So there is the concern for privacy of the data, um, of PII, um, you know, that is related to consumers. Um, but there are so many other aspects that need to be taken in consideration when it comes to maintaining consumer trust. Things like accountability. Um, you know, what is your plan to be accountable for the technology if there is an ethical risk? Um, how are you being transparent in, you know, publishing um, your ethical policies, um, in, in creating transparency around, you know, how the technology works, which is very difficult when we talk about IP, right? And protecting that IP, what is the balance of um, being transparent so that you maintain that trust with your stakeholders. Um, it's about, um, you know, being equitable. 
um, equitable of for your consumers and with your stakeholders. Um, and that goes across gender lines, it goes across um, ethnic lines, it goes across um, country lines, it goes across demographics. Um, and so how can you be equitable um, in terms of managing and building in these algorithms? We've certainly seen, um, you know, uh, the consequences of that over and over. And every time you see an ethical breach, you strip away at that consumer trust. And how organizations are managing it and handling it, you know, some of those, these larger organizations like Microsoft, um, they've created their own um, organization within the, within the corporation that maintains and has created these ethical policies and procedures that um, that culture is now applying to their technologies and to all of the, um, anyone that is manipulating or handling their data. Um, and so, you know, we, we see that within organizations and what that's allowing these larger organizations to do is then, um, you know, they saw with privacy that if they get on early in the game and could create some of these policies, they could actually then inform some of the regulations and the legislation that we'll see coming down the, the line. Because right now we see sections of that, you know, with GDPR, um, with, um, you know, other privacy protection, we see it within cybersecurity. These are all considerations that fall under the umbrella but have to be considered when we talk about ethics with data. So you mentioned a couple times the sort of many of the large uh, company leaders are, are data driven. Can I also ask you a question about how companies that are growing are coming into the sort of corporate development cycle of, of having organizational learning and developing ethical frameworks. So what's an ethical framework and when does it become a live conversation in a growing company? Well, I think that um, those are two really important points. First of all, let me start with the ethical framework um, um, question. An ethical framework is um, basically a guide. It's a blueprint that is created by an organization, sometimes a government, um, sometimes a, or a company itself, um, that provides guidance on um, how to apply ethical principles within your organization, within your technology, within your practices and processes. Um, and so there are over, I mean, when we started on um, the SEAT project, which we call, we, we've abbreviated Certified Ethical Emerging Technologists because quite, quite honestly, it's a mouthful. Um, and so when we started on the SEAT project, there were over, there were already over 160 frameworks globally um, and that people could use as guidelines. But it's not a one-for-one, one, right? So when an organization, um, to get to the second part of your question, when an organization is considering using technology around data, um, you know, maybe it is a non-technology related company, say it is a, a cosmetic company or um, that is trying to improve users or consumers' um, experience. And so they want to use facial recognition to, you know, help people apply makeup in a different way. But that facial recognition technology is not something that they 
it, it's available. It's something that you can plug into some of your, um, your systems. But what are the consequences? And so that's the point where somebody needs to really look and see, okay, start with the technology. Um, if somebody is using an, uh, you know, a, a technology that manipulates or uses data, um, you know, consumer um, sales tools, uh, you know, customer relationship management tools are another excellent example. But look at what the technology is and see what frameworks um, are out there around that technology. Um, and there will probably be, you know, tens if not hundreds of them by the time you get to this. But the important thing is, is to then narrow it down to your industry. So this may be, one may be um, applicable to healthcare, but not applicable to the automobile industry, right? Those are two very different industries. So you have to really start to filter these frameworks down. Now there's some amazing tools that are being created out there. Um, one of our, uh, I'm going to do a shameless plug, but one of our contributors is developing a platform called Parity, and it really, it basically is a database that combs all of these frameworks based upon also the other thing that I need to mention is location, right? Where you are in the world um, is very important because depending upon where um, your country of origin for your technology or countries that you are going to deliver this technology to, um, you know, you want to make sure that you are meeting the regulations and comp in compliance with those as well. Um, but this uh, tool that um, one of our uh, contributors has developed is basically a database of all these frameworks. So you can pull base, you can filter through all of these frameworks and, um, you know, also add in your own questions, you know, because you also want to create almost your own um, uh, policy based upon these frameworks. But really the frameworks are a blueprint. Um, you will find some parts that are very helpful for an organization, and you will find some parts that are not relevant to you. Maybe you're a smaller organization. Maybe you're an organization of five people. It is, I think the thing that's interesting is I get asked the question all the time of, oh gosh, this is just an enterprise problem. This is, you know, for these giant corporations, we don't need to worry about it. But really any organization that is trying to derive value from data really needs to look at creating some ethical policies and procedures around how they um, use and manage their data. And this can be a growing document, right? So maybe you're only using data in a very small area of your business, maybe for business intelligence. But what is your organization's um, ethical policy around utilizing that data? Um, and you can use these frameworks really just as a guide. You mentioned facial recognition technologies. Obviously, that's at the sort of cutting edge of, of application today. So this very real application came up for us in our Smart Cities group. So uh, let me ask you about that, Megan. We've got governments all over uh, putting those kinds of technologies on the street and combining them with all kinds of sensor information. So mm -hmm. can you change hats for a second and maybe talk about um, what the public sector risks are for collecting all this data? 
Well, I think that, um, you know, it's interesting. I'm not an, and I'm just going to preface this with, I am not an expert on public policy, or I know that your group in Smart Cities has some amazing resources in there. Um, you know, one of the things that we look at is, you know, intention is, you know, 99.9% .9 of the time always coming from a very good place, right? So I always like to look at how governments have been using facial recognition in terms of contact tracing, right? So contact tracing is can be questionable, but in the um, effort to maintain a public health risk, such as what we are in right now, um, you know, the intention is to prevent the spread of a disease, right? So the intention is very good. But the, um, when you are a government or a municipality that is collecting this data, um, you need to look at how you are utilizing that data and how it, in, how it is in line with how you utilize data that you've already collected. The thing that um, I have learned through this whole process um, is that many organizations have policies and procedures in the cases of government they probably have codes um, and legislation and regulation that already exist that they can draw from. So if there is a question of how they um, are collecting this data, um, you know, one of the things I would say is, you know, simple questions like, okay, how do you store um, constituent data right now? Um, you know, a visual, a video file um, has PII, so if you strip it down and say, how do we store our PII in other manners, such as social security numbers, driver's license numbers, et cetera, and then when you take those two data points and you combine them, this is where the algorithms and really where the algorithmic assess, you know, assessments, the risk assessments that um, we talk about in SEAT come into play. Um, it really is important to understand that organizations, whether it is a public entity or a private entity that is collecting this information and then combining these two data points, um, what is your risk, right? So, and when you look at this, in terms of is there, could there be potential discrimination. There are plenty of um, models out there that you can run your algorithm through to assess the risk. Now, it's not going to be perfect, um, but I think that from, you know, a public standpoint, you know, you are the gatekeepers of your citizens. And losing consumer trust in the case of a public entity um, probably comes at a much higher risk. We've seen this, in, I mean, Matt, you and I have talked about this before. We've seen it in cybersecurity, right? When a, when, um, a, a government entity like Baltimore, you know, has a cybersecurity breach, and it is devastating the trust that, um, you know, uh, constituents have in their government when things like that happen. So I would say that there is a huge leap to offer conveniences um, you know, and also evaluate uh, the definitions of everything that's going into it. What, how do you define safety? Is the definition of safety equitable, transparent, and accountable for all of the people that you're collecting data points on? These are the kinds of questions that, um, you know, having 
uh, leaders within public uh, entities as well as private entities can benefit from um, by becoming ethical leaders. Uh, thanks for that uh, very thoughtful response, Megan. So let's go back inside a, a medium or large company now in the, in the a commercial setting. Can you give us a sense of people who are, are taking this course or maybe have taken courses related to it coming into it uh, or one aspect of it or another, uh, what, are the, uh, what are the types of um, tools you're giving uh, to those that are enrolling in the certification process? And I particularly want to ask you about, uh, and maybe this is a follow-up question, but what's the uh, most unexpected thing that they'll encounter uh, with the way that you approach uh, delivering the course? Uh, I think that the thing that they will encounter, and I'm going to start with your follow-up first, that is most unexpected is that we offer something for, for people who are coming from a technical point of view as well as people that are coming from a non-technical point of view. Um, so one of the things that we are able to offer um, through the course or the, the professional certificate itself on Coursera um, is the ability for people to select which courses they want to take, um, which is something that we haven't been able to do before. Um, it's, a, it's a way that learners can really navigate their own path. So for instance, um, you are a um, public relations you are a director of public relations for your organization. We have an entire course on communicating ethical risk. Um, but think about your IT directors and how you make public statements. There are, are aspects within the course that are applicable to an IT director. There are also aspects within the, the other courses that um, are relevant to the public relations professional because having a stronger understanding of what ethical principles are makes you a, um, a much stronger um, voice for your organization. So that's, that's just an example. Within each course, um, learners have the opportunity to um, complete a project. There is a capstone project at the end of the course, uh, which is a little bit more generalized. And then we have, we decided to create an honors project for each of our courses. Those honors projects, um, you know, uh, do things like um, allow people to create a portfolio of um, assets that they can take to, as I referenced before, their organization or their, um, their uh, maybe a potential job opportunity, right? So we look at something like um, we have a course within the specialization um, which is um, detecting and eth mitigating ethical risks. So the project, um, the capstone projects within that, um, you know, are to apply that knowledge and how do you detect and mitigate ethical risks, right? So we actually go through um, you know, doing a, taking a look at a framework, selecting aspects of a framework, 
applying them to the ethical principles within your organization, and then um, creating a plan. Uh, and so that is something that somebody can customize even within their learning to their own organization and take back to their organization um, and say, hey, listen, I think that, um, you know, the IEEE um, framework around um, ethical design is really relevant within these areas of our organization, and here is the places where I think that we can apply it, and here's the plan that I've written up. Um, so that is a unique opportunity that we offer. And then that's just within the course. Um, and then, you know, we also have the opportunity for people to then go on and get their actual industry certification by taking a, um, a, an exam through Pearson View. Um, and they can take that online, um, but it is proctored. And it is a high stakes exam, and it, it, which offers them a certification um, that is uh, really validates to organizations that um, a candidate has uh, validated these skills and knowledge. So it's, a, it's a, just that next step, that little, um, you know, as I like to say, the, um, the sprinkles on the Sunday, so to speak. <laughs> well, and I think, Megan, you gave a couple of different answers about uh, exactly what I was asking, which is, you know, people may be asked to consider departments lateral from their normal work processes and workflows that will change the way they think about uh, incorporating people on their teams, right? So the PR and the HR and all the other pieces that should come into play, it's not just your data science team. And that's really important to, to rethink as you go through one of these, uh, especially the capital right. process, and but then your work. Yeah, and you have, I mean, here's the thing is that um, most data scientists, um, you know, and I, I, we, I'm very um, sensitive about this because, you know, a true data scientist has had years of experience and usually has gone through a doctoral program or is in a doctoral program, and ethics is a big part of what they do. <clears throat> you know, this is to assist those data scientists in surrounding their organization to support some of the ethical principles um, that are needed so that when data scientists come back to their stakeholders and identify, it gives them the tools to identify, you know, ethical risk as a part of their data science workflow, um, which sometimes organizations have maybe leaving out um, and is an important step when you're building and training models. Tell us a little bit about some of the rock star faculty you've got uh, working on the course as well. It's a tremendous lineup. Oh my gosh. I love, love, love all of our contributors. And I, I have to say, our course only highlights a few of our contributors um, because uh, the way that we develop things is we, um, our contributors come in and they do a job task analysis for us. So we have said to them, we want to create leaders um, within an organization that can drive um, ethically driven um, data uh, technologies. And so they create this job task analysis. So the group that created this job task analysis, and I'm going to have to bring up um, our list, some of them went on to develop our certification exam, and some of them went on to um, be instructors and contributors to our course. So the course instructors, um, Renee Cummings, 
who is an amazing individual. Um, she has founded um, Urban AI. She's actually a criminal uh, criminologist, and a um, so she comes from a very different perspective. We've got um, uh, Eleanor Nell Watson, um, who is based in the UK, and she is a pioneer in um, AI ethics and machine learning ethics. Um, she has uh, she has been on the United Nations General Assembly. Um, she has done a number of different TED Talks. Um, she is um, a scientific advisor to the Future Society at Harvard. Um, I mean, she's just a huge rock star. Um, and she is an amazing, one of our key instructors on the course. Um, we also have um, uh, Tanya de Gasparis um, and Abhishek Gupta. Um, they both are, uh, they are both uh, involved in the Montreal AI Ethics Organization, which has created one of the, um, we shall say, uh, uh, key frameworks around AI ethics and is just consistently promoting and training and educating organizations, um, not only in their um, home country of Canada, but internationally as well. Um, Jennifer Fisher, who is um, a executive director um, at Felician University, she has a very unique um, background because she has been um, a, a security analyst. Um, so she comes from a, a true IT background, and now she has transitioned in, um, into um, she used machine learning within her cybersecurity practices and then dove into this idea of ethics and now has, you know, moved completely into academia and is really develop, developing some amazing programs um, at her university to um, promote uh, diversity and gender equality in um, technology, um, specifically within AI, and also um, promoting um, cross-functional uh, uh, cross um, awareness among different areas within her university and studies. Erin um, Hui is uh, another one of our instructors that you will see on screen. Um, he is an AI ethicist. He has a publication called ARIES. Um, he focuses more on, he comes from the uh, philosophy point of view. And it's interesting because we have a general mix of people that come from the philosophy point of view, and we have people who are coming from the machine learning and AI and robotics. Um, so we have a, a great mix of people. And those are just our instructors for the course. Um, we also have, uh, you know, amazing contributors to our exam. Um, Ramon Chaudhary, uh, who is, uh, and I just said her name wrong, Ramon Chaudhary. Uh, she is uh, the founder of that uh, software that I was referencing earlier, Parity. She was a consultant for Accenture um, and leading their uh, global ethical AI um, uh, division. Uh, we have, uh, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna forget so many people, but um, we have uh, Principia uh, from overseas, uh, a representative from there. And so we really did um, have a, we tried to really pull in as many experts as we want. And I have to say that this community within ethics around data-driven technologies is one of the um, 
most open communities that I have ever experienced in, in terms of our emerging technologies. And we work in IoT, we work in AI, we work in um, cybersecurity and data science, but um, this community is really, really phenomenal. Um, and I know I'm missing about seven different people on here, but um, you know, we're pretty proud of our instructors and their, what they bring to the table and the different perspectives they bring as well. Tremendous. Uh, Megan, tell our listeners where they can learn more about the uh, certification opportunity and uh, how to enroll. Yeah, so probably the easiest thing to do is to go to the CertNexus website, um, and that is CertNexus.com. Um, on the homepage, there's a big banner that talks about certified ethical emerging technologists. You can just click on that. You have an opportunity in there to have a preview to meet our instructors. Um, you will be able to have an opportunity to enroll in the uh, professional certificate program on Coursera, which is the course. Um, right now, uh, we have some opportunities around um, participating in some beta programs. And you also get the details um, if you uh, for the blueprint, which talks about all the different domains and objectives that we measure and talk about within the course and uh, measure on the exam as well. Uh, and then that will take you right to be able to enroll. And there's lots of different options for enrolling. But the cool thing about Coursera is you can go in and you can set up an account if you don't have one already, and you can actually um, watch some of the first lessons within all of the courses to get a taste for what they are without even committing to enrolling. Well, there, there was my final question, which is, what has the partnership with Coursera meant to you? You know, it's interesting. We, um, uh, we met um, a representative from Coursera, believe it or not, at a cybersecurity event um, sponsored by NIST. And so we were just talking about security, and um, I had mentioned that we had, I think I just come off of a, a conversation with your group, Matt, around ethics and AI from a legal standpoint, and there was a lot of interest. So I just was talking to this person from Coursera, and she said, I think we're really interested in this. So this really expanded, um, because when you and I met, it was really how do we create something that is specifically for business professionals to just introduce them to the idea of ethics. But um, Coursera has really um, provided some guidance. Our um, pedagogy on how we build out courses and how we build out certifications was so similar. Um, so it just seems like a great fit for us. And so they have been so supportive. Um, they have an amazing organization, um, an amazing learner population. And I have to say they are very, very committed to creating learning opportunities to um, people that typically wouldn't have them. Um, and they are very uh, aware. Um, and they came back to us uh, when everything, you know, everything was going on. And we started to see a shift in the country around um, racial inequities. And they said, you know, we want to make sure that this is addressed from a data standpoint. And how do we incorporate this? So we worked together to, you know, add some things into the course to address that head on. Um, and they have just been amazing in terms of supporting us. And we are actually really excited because we just started, we just had our kickoff for 
our certified artificial intelligence practitioner to live on the Coursera platform as well. So that will be available um, in January of 2021. So, and I think we'll continue this partnership because it certainly expands our learner base and provides them uh, a learning path that is customizable to them. So whether you want to come from philosophy or you want to go to philosophy or you want to go into becoming um, a developer or really diving into the practices of AI, um, they have it on their platform. And um, it is, uh, they are a California-based company, so we're very proud to be working with them out of Mountain View and uh, have just been really pleased with this relationship. Well, this is... Uh, a, a very exciting conversation, obviously new directions with the next certification in the stack that you're building in AI. So uh, this uh, portends, I think, great things for what CertNexus is doing. A, an excellent member of CTC, and uh, this has been a conversation with Megan Branch of CertNexus. Megan, thanks very much. Thanks, Matt. We had so much fun with Megan Branch. Thank you to Megan and the CertNexus team not only for the SEAT certification, but for everything that they're doing in certifications and professional development. Next in This Week with Cal CISO, we'll have a series of conversations with the TrueStar team on how their a platform enables threat intelligence sharing and what it means for uh, multi-sector cybersecurity. We look forward to that series and more on This Week with Cal CISO in our next episodes. If you'd like to hear more about a topic, let us know about it at podcast at californiatechnology.org. Be sure to subscribe on Google Podcast and Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And leave us a comment. It helps with the Apple and Google algorithms. Once again, this is Matt Gardner. We'll see you on the next episode of This Week with Cal CISO.